Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. And now, here's Jerry Springer. Aw. Thank you. Thank you. So, Jerry, do you remember a few weeks ago when we talked to Tip Kemper, State Senator Tip Kemper? And he was talking to us about read write. Yeah, I mean, it, frankly, it, pretty ridiculous. Very I mean, he ridiculous. Was talking about everyone had to write a book report. Correct. And yep. that would be the law. Well, I just talked to David, and this guy is on the line. How does he get our number? I, I have no idea, but he's on there, and he has another idea, and he wants you to talk to him about it. So, it, do you want to? Can we go to him, David? Yeah, he's on the line now. Hi, Senator. Uh, hi, Jerry. Uh, this is State Senator Tip Kemper. Thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. I don't get much. Uh, podcast and broadcast traction with my ideas, so I'm very glad that you've taken an interest in uh, what I'm, what I talk about. Yeah, well, what is it? What's on your mind uh, t- uh, today? I have a bill that's very close to passage, and if your listeners would call their state senators and express their support for it, it could really help make this happen. It's called the State Senator Chip Kemper Kids Swim Free Bill. Kids Swim Free? Because of budget cuts, there are about parks and recreation, swimming pools closing, inability to get lifeguards, etc. And so my bill would require people who have in-ground and above-ground swimming pools to be required to let 10 children per day swim in their pools with a state voucher that would be worth $2 per child. Whoa, 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 what do you say? How many children per day? You, you have a private home and you have a swimming pool in the backyard. Under your law, yes. you would be required to permit how many kids? Uh, 10 children per day. These would be you, 10 children portion. to swim in your personal swimming Do pool? Do you have to provide them transportation? Like, what, 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 what are you talking about? Well, uh, it, it, you would be required to allow them to swim between the hours of 10 in the morning and 7 p.m. in the evening. You'd well, be well what if you have something else to do? Or like a job. And, and who's going to watch the 10 kids? Well, we assume that the mom would stay home and uh, be there. The mom would stay home. (laughs) Oh, oh, I Are there any women living in your state? (laughs) None. None. Okay, so the mom would have to stay home and watch 10 kids, and a, a parent would just knock on the door, and if they had a voucher, they would hand you the voucher. You get $2 per day. $2 $2 per child per day, 10 maximum. And you'd be required to give the, each of those children a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, oh, a this cup is of water, stupid. and allow them. <laughs> this is the Guys dumbest thing I. With all due respect, that is absurd. I mean, rewrite was. I, I could even see where you were coming well, from with the other one. I wasn't but. quite finished. And, and I was also be required to provide a clean towel. And then one last thing uh, allow each child uh, one per day to make a phone call uh, from that uh, mom's cell phone, either to invite another child to come over or for a pickup. Has this been through committee? Uh, well, uh, no. It, no. It, uh, work, uh, <laughs> and if you're thinking of a political career, I, I, I think twice about introducing that. Honestly, Senator, that's... With well, my, ideas we... are, my, my ideas, admittedly, are a little cutting edge. Uh, cutting my, my edge? District, uh, my father owns a shoe factory, and uh, most of the people in my district work for my father. So uh, my ideas are, therefore, able to be a little more out of the dots. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what, what if a kid gets hurt? Right. You paying for the insurance? 
Well, I hadn't really thought that all the way through. No. No, you might, you might think about was, that. Yeah, and what about the whole concept of private property in America? Aren't you entitled to say, you know what? I'd rather not have strangers swim in my pool. Yeah. Well, if you look at studies, uh, uh, there are a number of studies that show that there's a high correlation between uh, children with too much time on their hands and uh, crime. And it just seems to me that if a person has an above-ground pool, they, they have to be, have a six inches uh, deep water or more to qualify for this. If you have a small little wading pool about the size of a bucket, <laughs> you wouldn't have to do this. But have, Wouldn't it be uh, just uh, cheaper to build a community swimming right. pool? Well, I hadn't thought that through all the way either. <laughs> I think he needs. I think he needs to go back to the drawing yeah. board a little bit on this one. I can't sir. tell you, Mr. Springer. Mr. Springer, can I ask you a question? Because I'm getting other calls now. I'm going to have to go. But I believe you work with a young lady there. I believe her name's Marilyn. I was wondering if you could have your producer, uh, that Gene fellow, give my contact information to her. or some uh, personal questions I'd like to ask. Absolutely her. not. Under no, no circumstances. No, <laughs> no, no. She, um, no. There, there, there's a test before you can talk to her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you right did now, not pass you it, know, sir. you're not passing well, anyway, it. Thank you. Thank you very much. For well, thank you, Senator Tip Kemper. It. You know, that was nice of him to call. It was really, nice of But him that to is the most ridiculous he, idea. Well, his last one was pretty hairbrained. And that read write was pretty when everyone yeah. had to turn in a book report and no. we're having some problems with this guy. You wonder who voted for him. Yeah. I should have asked him if he's ever if if he's, And he's he is an actual Has he ever been reelected? Because you know, you could squeeze by on the first election. I don't know. I don't know. know. It's frightening though if that's the future of our country. That is the craziest. You know, and it's funny when you think about politics, and I know that guy was talking politics, uh, there's some pretty interesting poll data that's come out recently. And I wondered if it's always good, Jerry, to have your astute mind. You have yeah. a mind that's After just like Tip a, Kemper, like a, I can't. Uh, well, right. He's looking real good. Straight. Yeah. But it, it's I'm like a fly trap. And, yeah. Uh, t- talk a little bit about this Gallup poll that, you know, is a recent poll that says that for the first time since 1999, when polls started to be taken, that the number on of issue, pe- yeah. on this issue, uh, on that question, correct, they started to ask the question starting back in 1999, how do you self-identify, liberal, moderate, conservative? And for the first time since 99, as many people say liberal as uh, conservative, that's been changing all through those years. What do you think's going on? Well, you know, I, as you know, I long taken the position that in the end, liberals always win because the evolution of any society, we will ultimately become more and more liberal because people want to be free. People want to have control over their own lives and they don't like to be told what to do. So institutions that are doctrinaire will ultimately fail. So in the beginning, conservatives, which is the definition, you want to conserve what you have so you fight against change. And so in the beginning, conservatives always fight against change and in the beginning, conservatives always win because things haven't changed yet. It takes time to change them. But ultimately, what was once considered, wow, they'll never do that, all of a sudden becomes mainstream. By the way, the liberalization of America, which is inevitable, if you look at any major issue in our time, it's not just an American issue. Now we, the people of Ireland, and can you find, with the possible exception of Italy, a more Catholic country than Ireland? And the people, not the government, not some powerful dictator or leader or something, the actual voters of Ireland voted 
for gay marriage, to legalize gay marriage. It is the first country in the world to totally legalize gay marriage by a vote of the people, not by a court decision or something like that. And doesn't that make you say, whoa, what is going on in a country so dominated by a powerful church? And my theory is, and obviously I have you know, no empirical evidence, but my theory is if you have democracy, ultimately doctrinaire institutions will lose their power. And for example, whatever your religion is, let's say it's Catholic, let's say it's Jewish, fundamentalist, Christian, whatever, there are rules. But democracy says, hey, wait a second, you ought to be able to vote and decide on your own life. That's how we're all raised in democracies. We make choices. That's the whole concept. And we glorify it. We send our sons and daughters to fight and die to preserve the right to choose things in life. So now, all of a sudden, if the church doctrine or temple doctrine or whatever the institution is says, this is the way it is, and the people now having freedom say, no, I'm not going to live like that. And if we're honest with ourselves, my guess is 99.9% of Americans who identify with a religion treat their religion as serious as they are about it, pretty much like going to the grocery store. You pick what aisle you're going in, but in that aisle, you will choose what part of the doctrine of your religion you will follow. So I'm Jewish, and I take my religion pretty serious, but... So I say, okay, I'm not going to eat pork. But then I can't wait till I have shrimp cocktail. We're not supposed to eat that. You know, we're not supposed to drive cars on Saturdays. You know, I, well, my people drive my cars. You do not drive a car. My limo driver isn't Jewish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so, uh, you know, we all pick. And then if I asked any Catholic or any Christian, the chances are that uh, particularly in today's world, young people, some of them might have had sex before they were married. Uh, some uh, married couples use birth control. Um, so we're all picking and choosing. So I am not surprised that all of a sudden people feel comfortable saying, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm liberal. Plus, here in America, conservatives had a bad run in terms of their image. And it, it may be unfair to them, and it is unfair to them, but... They've had some candidates in the last couple of presidential elections in the primaries that, in fairness, were pretty close to wacko. Yep. And that, so the Almost middle... Tip Kemper Almost tip-kemper level. Yes. Almost tip. <laughs> And so middle, moderate America, all of a sudden, they're not so crazy to be lumped in with that, just like it used to be you didn't want to be lumped in with crazies on the left. So I'm not surprised that more people identify themselves as liberal today, but it is inevitable that all democracies will, over time, become, every generation, more liberal than the generation before it. There are no exceptions to that in world history. Hey, you know, you mentioned Ireland and you mentioned Catholicism, and I have Catholic history, you do as well, Megan, and, yep. and the Catholic Church is very staunch in its opposition to same-sex marriage, and yet, overwhelmingly, largely driven by a youth turnout, I think the statistics are going to show in Ireland across the country uh, came out in favor of that freedom. So the Archbishop of Dublin, largest city in Ireland, came out and said, 
some words that I never expected ever to hear from a hierarchy of the Catholic Church, which is, boy, we might have to take a real look at, I'm interpreting, but it sounded to me like this. We have to kind of look at where people are going if we're going to survive as an institution. Yeah, the words he yeah. used is we need a reality check. Yeah. Yeah. And I never thought I would hear anything like that because the Catholic Church is pretty clear about, and I don't want to get you know too locked in in this discussion of just one religion, just because it's mine, but they've been very staunch in saying, look, our dogma is our dogma and we'll take our hits up and down the line, you know, any way we have to. But I'm telling you, the shift in the world about freedom to marry, yeah. regardless of what your gender is, that's sweeping the world. That's yeah. unstoppable. Well, you don't go back media on that. Now. You've got it's, it's a smaller world. You've got people who are able to get together and able to communicate about yeah. things, whereas before you, were, you probably felt and, very isolated. Well, let's, let, me give you a, deal. let me give you another example, and it's in the world of politics it's going on now, because here in America, um, all the uh, proposed Republican candidates that are entering the primaries uh, for next year, they're all going out to Iowa, which is the first caucus state. Mm -hmm. And Iowa, in terms of the Republican Party, is very powerful, has a very powerful Christian right um, vote. And they are now having forums where the candidates come and speak and address. And it's kind of unsettling just to see each of these candidates now tripping over themselves mm -hmm. to tell them how religious they all are and, and all of that. And, 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 and by the way, you and I have experienced, so it's not, I'm not picking on the Christians at all because I know that when I was involved in politics in Ohio and if I ever went to a Jewish group and there were some other Jewish candidates there, all of a sudden they'd say, well, you know, I'm, I've got to get back to shul. What? Yeah. <laughs> Temple. Yeah, when, right. when do you say shul, except right. if you're in front of a, you know, so everyone's trying to say, hey, I'm just, I'm really very religious. But here's the point. The Pope, who, I don't care what your religion is, but how can you not respect whoever the Pope is? I mean, someone who devotes literally mm -hmm. his entire being and life to, to making humanity better, whatever your religion. There's great respect for the Pope. So now Pope Francis is coming out on three issues. Yep. And the last one is he just said this past week or so that what human beings are doing to the planet Earth, to doing to the environment in terms of climate change, is mankind's greatest modern sin. Yep. That's what he said. So then Rubio who had just finished speaking and saying how, you know, how important Jesus was in his life and everything, and, and very Catholic. Yep. And they, so they asked him, they said, you know, because Rubio is not very good on, on the environment or on immigration or on the uh, minimum wage, which the Pope has spoken out, three issues. And he says, well, the Pope speaks for me on religious issues, not on political issues. And which is the, the great cop-out, because that's how we all work in the grocery store supermarket of religion. We pick out what items of our born religion we will choose to follow. And I'm thinking, what is more godly than the planet Earth? I mean, if you believe in God, then that's his greatest creation, no? I mean, all of life, everything that exists here, how it all works, 
you know, how bees go around flowers because of the smell and the color and all. I mean, just everything in nature that was created. If someone desecrated a church or a temple, we would all go crazy. We'd say, how dare you do that to a, a building of God? But yet it was built by man to go in and pray. But the earth was built by God, if you believe in God. So that's the most religious thing in the world. How can Rubio pass it off and say, well, that's just a political issue. And I don't listen to him on politics. When, if this is what God created, have we no reverence for it? Don't we have an obligation to keep it going for the next generation and whatever? What are we doing? How selfish are we becoming? And You know, this is a sort of blasphemous politically, but you and I have been friends for 45 years. We've fought side-by-side side political issues, campaigns, uh, mostly on your behalf. I ran once and it took a whooping too. But so we've, we've fought in these political wars. But I bet you and I would agree, and I bet you would too, Megan, that America's strength is its political competition. Mm -hmm. I may want to win every election, but the fact is we are better served by having strong parties, strong candidates, and the pendulum swinging back and forth some. But Jerry and Megan, as as this world is becoming, as you said, Megan, it's shrinking because of technology, and it's youthful. And, and it's more diverse than it ever has been. And we're on our way in a few years to being uh, a country that's not, uh, the majority is not Caucasian. But the Republican Party, sadly, and I'm arguing for them to find, right. it, and, and they don't want to have to go more liberal. And see, to get to the middle, you got to go a little more liberal, which is your point that these positions win. But they've got to get, just like the Archbishop of Dublin, they've got to get more in touch with where the world is going, in our case, our country, on issues like immigration. We're not going to kick out 12 million people. We are not on the issue of same-sex marriage, on the issue of income inequality, which is a big issue that you talk about, Jerry. But don't you agree they have got to kind of find their way more to the center and they're failing every litmus test because they're trying to win this primary? I feel like they they try. I've I've heard the speeches. I've heard people trying to kind of pander, but I don't feel there's a lot of... They have to feel it. It's got to be legit. I don't feel it's genuine. Well, I doesn't resonate. You know, I'm not a fan of his. I mean, I don't dislike the person. I, I don't want him to be president, but... But I, I think that Jeb Bush mm-hmm. is very conscious of that and is trying very hard not to sell out to the extreme right in the primaries. So Rand Paul, too. And Rand Paul, and Rand Paul is, too. searches yeah. at times so there for are, diversity. There are a few and- on the Republican side, even though I don't agree with their views. <clears throat> I'd have to respect that there's something they're willing to lose an election for. Mm-hmm. And right now, and we'll talk about her on another occasion... Uh, but this Carly Farina. Yeah, Carly Farina. Yeah, and we'll talk about it when we talk about the, the, the affordable health care. But okay. I mean, but what some of these people are doing, it just, it's so obvious they just want to be president. Mm-hmm. They just want to be the top kahuna. And it's, it's not based on any deeply held philosophy. And, you know, it's, and I'm not saying that doesn't exist in the Democratic Party. Yeah, we've but, been through and it eras certainly and, and it, yeah. it certainly it certainly does exist in the Democratic Party. But at least I kind of like to think the Democrats have their heart in the right place and sometimes the administration of their heart isn't perfect, right, or really good. And with a lot of the a lot, not all of, of the Republicans, it's not that they're mean-spirited, it's that it's not even on the agenda. 
you know, I, I, I don't think any Republican running for president it says, my number one priority is what are we going to do about poverty in America? What are we going to do about getting a little bit closer to this income inequality? That's why I'm running for president. They would be. That's why you're you're stage. running for president. Did you just say you're running for president? I am today announcing my candidacy for the office of uh, president of the United States. I think we can do better here at home and abroad, and I want to be your president. Well, just to bring some some balance to what we talk about too here. Late. Yeah, it's too late. Let's do some music. Yes. And, yes. And I'm. Uh, I'm especially excited to introduce Jerry as sort of a preface to this. You and I have came from the 1960s, approximately, a little bit in the 50s and up into the 70s of the resurgence of folk music. And the group we're about to hear, the Tillers, who are from the Cincinnati area, and they are one of the premier roots music groups of this region. I've heard them before. I've heard them in concert. They are outstanding. And uh, they're going to do a song, which we'll talk about after they do. But uh, let's hear it from the Tillers.
That's the Tillers. We've got uh, Mike on banjo and doing the lead singing on that song. Uh, Sean on guitar, Aaron on the upright bass. And we were chatting before, Sean, before we uh, did the podcast, and Jerry, you and I were talking. This band has sounds very reminiscent of the songs that we and the groups we knew in the 60s. And, Sean, you were telling me that you sang a lot of old Woody Guthrie songs yeah. and Pete Seeger and the Weavers. And yep. So your, those influences are there, correct? Absolutely, yep. That was how we got together. We were really into Woody Guthrie and Carter Family and Lead Belly and stuff like that and just wanted to get together and sing some of those songs. And you guys are a group that performs, and you do this full-time, largely. Uh, you do some teaching? Were yeah, you me telling? and Mike both teach uh, banjo and guitar, and Aaron works at a music venue in town called the Southgate House Revival. Yep. I got to tell you, I was here hanging out at the Folk School Coffee Parlor one afternoon, Mike, and a guy came in from Asheville, North Carolina. This is amazing, Jerry. So I'm sitting here hanging out with uh, Catfish, the owner, and, and we're talking. This guy comes in from Asheville, and I said, uh, what brings you in? And he says, I've come up for a banjo lesson. Like from Asheville, North Carolina? Yeah, I got like a three-hour banjo lesson, and it was with you, was it not, Mike? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you must be pretty cheap. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think he's real good. <laughs> to go all the way up here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm accessible. Like yeah, yeah. Accessible. <laughs> That's another word. Yeah. That's another word. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, during the summer months, uh, what do you guys uh, have planned in terms of performing and things? And you have a CD out as well, maybe more than one. five or six CDs out. We've got a lot of CDs out. Um, we've been a band for almost eight years now, and uh, this summer we got festivals all over, all over the place, really. We'll be up in Wisconsin and Winnipeg. We'll play, be playing the Winnipeg Folk Festival, Long Beach Folk Revival in California. Wow. Um, Summerfest in Milwaukee, the Whispering Beard Folk Festival in Friendship, Indiana. Yep. Um, John Hartford Memorial Festival is actually this weekend in uh, Bean Blossom, Indiana. and Good for you. You guys are busy, and, and boy, you yeah. can tell from your, uh, your artistry that this is a really tight folk group. And I know uh, it's just wonderful as an old folkie to see this uh, quality. Well, this is true throughout, uh, whether it's Casey Campbell, who's on our current podcast as we record this one, and uh, all the groups that are coming through here, and again, that's a credit to Casey Campbell, who's coordinating this for us, but I think you guys would agree, when you, the, the music uh, quality is outstanding of these up-and-comer yeah. songwriters, yeah. Uh, Red Cedars, who are here at the Folk School Coffee Parlor every Saturday morning uh, entertaining people. So this, uh, this genre of music is very healthy, and you guys are part of that. We thank you. And thank you. And we wonder if you'd entertain us one more time by taking us out on uh, Irene. Wait, let me get the words. Yeah. And Jerry will jump in on one of the verses. He's almost got it memorized. It's only been three months. You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, sponsored by the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Hope to see you all again real soon.
Sometimes I live in town Sometimes I take a great notion To jump in the river 